Welcome to another edition of the Smells Like Hope podcast, the podcast dedicated to shining the light of truth on the disease of addiction. I am your host, Rob Wiles. I'm a 20-year professional wrestling veteran, and I'm also an addict. Joined by special guests, we are going to share with you our stories of recovery, of inspiration, and hope. Because, my friends, no matter how dark the road you're on, there is always hope. Alright, what's up guys and dolls? It's your boy Rob Wilds coming back at you with the newest episode of Smells Like Hope. Episode 2 of my 3, maybe 4 part series of the truth and the facts about drug court. Last week we had our buddy on. He, uh is a graduate. He told us all about his story. That was fantastic. And now we're going to flip the page to an actual drug court professional, not just any probation officer, my fucking probation officer. <laughs> What's up, Joe? <laughs> Hi, Rob. How are you? Oh God, dude, two, a little, a little over two weeks, man. And I'm, I'm graduated. Yeah, that's something, isn't it? That's... It's wild. Like, just the other day, it started becoming like a real thing for me. I was like, oh, what? this is actually happening. Absolutely. Oh, yep. Wow. It became yeah. such a cornerstone of my life for the last two years. Now that it's going to be releasing me, it's like I'm that little nervous bird about to fly out of the nest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh, former graduates have said that, you know, they feel comfortable in the in the program and so forth but everything you guys have learned has prepared you for leaving that little nest yeah. i mean drug is only in your lives as long as as, as necessary and once you guys have made a decision to live a long healthy sober lifestyle that's that's all the longer we need to be involved in it well then you know it's always nice to have you guys to reach out to whenever somebody's feeling like they're struggling. Hey, I my know I know that my PO is in Pittsburgh and I'm living in Tampa, but damn it, I'm calling him. Absolutely. I'm always here. We'd never go anywhere. When you guys um attend your graduation ceremony, Judge Nawhouse, your judge, is gonna tell you that same thing and you know, we're always here. If you ever struggle with anything, we're always willing to reach out and help you guys. And you know, it just just drives me nuts how many people who are nowhere near wanting to get clean. Well, you know, misery loves company, so they'll they'll take their bullshit and try and throw it on other people and tell you, oh, it's a setup, it's a trap. They're they're all against you. And once you actually do it and you're successful at it, you just you're you're blown away by how malicious those stories are. Like some people are just so fucking miserable. They insist on spreading it around, and that's horrible. It is, and it's a shame because it does a lot of harm, you know, to the community. There's so many people that are in need of a program like ours and stuff, and, you know, you can testify it's not an easy program, and you have to be willing to put the work into it. And, you know, it's no different than anything else if you're not willing to work at it. If you're trying to learn a trade but you're not really – you know, learning or trying to get a degree and just showing up at class and so forth, you're not going to be successful. And you know, drug courts, they're a great platform, and we will show you everything you need to do to have a shot at being successful. But if you're not willing to put the work in, then you're not going to be successful. 
and we won't pull any punches. It's work. It's it's not an easy road to walk down at first, but you start getting comfortable with the road, then it starts becoming easier to walk. Sure, absolutely. So let's uh let's go over whatever history that you know you can share about the Allegheny Pittsburgh Drug Court Program. Well, um, our program's been in existence since 1998, so we are what 23 years into yeah. it. And one of the greatest things about our program is we have been fortunate enough to have one single judge the entire run. That is Judge Norhouse. He was there at the very beginning, and he is still on the bench, obviously. Um, very pretty... kind man. Very, very kind human being. Yes, he is. Um, when he started administrating drug court, he was still on the uh, bench in criminal division. Then he slid over to orphans court and uh, even in retired status he's continued to be the driving force for our program i did not know he was in retired status mm. wow. yeah once um they've kind of changed the, the laws here in pennsylvania with regards to what constitutes senior status um used to be uh 70 now it's age 75 um so he's he stuck it out because he so strongly believes in, in the program, the work that goes on in it. And he's a really nice guy, but he's also uh, a heavy-fisted badass when he has to be, and it's it's impressive that he can manage those two so well. And that's what, I mean, any successful drug court starts and ends with the, the judge on the bench. Right. Um, drug courts, as you're well aware, they're incentive-sanctioned base where individuals are rewarded for you know, their, their successes and so forth. And they're handed out immediate sanctions for, for negative behavior or decisions that they've made. And that's, that's what drives the program. Yeah. I've, uh, I've tripped up in drug court twice. One time was after my dad died and I decided to smoke a joint cause I couldn't handle it. And then I got popped and I went to jail for three days. And the other time was I just simply forgot to call in. And of course that was the day they gave me the color call, but he was nice enough to say, okay, only three days this time as well. Like, oh, cool, not a week. Fantastic. Yeah, the sanctions are, you know, they're in place there to, to basically keep you guys honest and so forth. And, yes, people are going to make mistakes. There's going to be bumps in the road. Judge Nohouse tells you that um, at the very first time you meet them, that you're plea and so forth. And, you know, if you need a sanction, you, you deal with it, take ownership of whatever the – negative behavior was and you move on from it there and stuff and on the other side of it um you've you've seen both sides of it rob in your oh, yeah. monthly review hearings you know the people go down a lot of people you know they they look forward to their monthly review hearings they want to show the judge how well they've done or what they've accomplished since the last time they've talked to them and on those rare occasions where people need to be dressed down by the judge he's more than happy to tell them about themselves well, you know, you you walk into the uh, to the when 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 we when we were doing it at the courthouse uh, before this this disease broke out across the country, you know, you go there. There's what sixty ish people on the courtroom, all waiting to see the judge. But sometimes there's only you know uh, fifty people there because ten of them have to have gone away. And every time I went to court, absolutely every time, at least one person got walked out in handcuffs. Yeah, it's it's a it's unfortunate, you know, it's necessary. Um you know, drug court the the intent is not to 
you know, trip people up. And, you know, it, it's always bugged me so much when I hear about drug court being a setup and stuff. And we understand there are, there are going to be setbacks and so forth. And, you know, a lot of people, they come into the program thinking they're going to be able to fake it to make it and so forth, despite yeah. having been explained in detail what the program entails. And, you know, in Allegheny County, there's there's no higher level of supervision with regards to probation and parole than someone in drug court on house arrest. So you're not going to, you're going to be held accountable. And a lot of people think, well, they're, they're smarter than us and they'll right. do what they want to do. And, you know, on the treatment end, you know, it, it's very intense level of treatment. You undergo an assessment, they determine what level of care you're meeting for and so forth. And you're placed in that level of care. And if you're not engaged in the process, then, you know, you're going to have to answer to the judge as to what's going on. He's going to ask you, you know, do you really want to do this or not? And, you know, if you are, he's going to continue to support you and, you know, try and get you to understand what you need to do to be successful. But yep. at the end, if, if you're just doing this to avoid, if, if drug court is the lesser of two evils as far as, you know, your other alternative was basically looking at a lengthy period of incarceration and you're coming into drug court to avoid that. Yeah, they treat it and like they, a dodge. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, I would actually tell people when I was, you know, vetting, you know, most referrals in Allegheny County go through the district attorney's office. They have to make sure they meet all the eligibility requirements. Um, they can't have been convicted of certain prohibited offenses. You know, there's a real, real nasty violent offenses like murder, robbery, rape, kidnapping, that kind of stuff. Because right. it is a program for nonviolent offenders. And if they met all the eligibility requirements and they were agreeing to the terms of pleading guilty to the charges and understanding the sentence and so forth. Then the, you know, information would be forwarded to the probation office and we would sit down, we would assign them a drug court case specialist. They would do a lengthy um, drug and alcohol assessment to determine um, where they're at, what their level of care they're meeting for. And then probation would also sit and explain the program in detail as to, you know, what, do they have to accomplish to um, move through with the program right. the different places and so forth? When yeah. I went in for my, it was amazing to me because as <laughs> I, I never knew what drug court was. So when I went, you know, to, in, to go in front of Rango's just ready to plead guilty and take whatever it was, they decided then instead of prison, they were going to send me to drug court because I was already like nine months clean. But uh, when I went to do my intake with, um, you know, it was Karen and Sue and, and all that. They, I mean, everybody was just really nice to me right off the bat. I walked in there expecting to get treated like I was treated by POs in the past, you know, on just regular old criminal probation cases. I was expecting to get looked at like a, you're just a junkie and you're, you know, you're an idiot and you're lucky you're here. But everybody was really nice and really supportive when they knew how much clean time I'd already had. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I can, speaking for our, our program, you know, you have, you have your drug court team, Rob, which you've come to know very well. Yep. Obviously you have Judge Nauhaus, he's the head of it all. And, uh, you have the district attorney, you have your public defender, then you have the, uh, drug court case specialist, the ladies who take care of the treatment. There's three of them. Then you have the probation officers, there's three probation officers. And then the focus, focal point of, of the drug court is the coordinator position. And that individual, in this case, it's Karen, she takes all the information from the drug court case specialists and the probation officers, 
and then forward that information to Judge Norhouse. And it's the same way coming back. You know, she's the judge's mouthpiece and right arm and so forth. So anything he wants done or said is you know, distributed back down to the team. So every drug court participant has all these people who are all working towards the same goal, and that is to for you guys to complete the program so you can go on and lead you know, healthy, sober lifestyles and so forth. So it's a, it's a great program, and there's a lot of people that are really pulling for you. And you've learned in your time in the program that we can be, we'll be there to support you. We'll be great cheerleaders, but we're also going to hold your butts accountable. Yep. And if you need dress down or sanction and so forth, it's going to happen. It's going to happen fast. So it's it's very different from, from mainstream criminal justice where, you know, people are just, they're, they're given sentences and, you know, our courts are a reflection of our society these days where the sentences are more and more lenient and so forth. And that affects how many people are coming into our program because if they're not looking at a significant sentence, why in God's name would they come into a drug court program? Why would they commit to a much harsher sentence, sure. either length or terms of supervision and so forth? Well, I had, I had no idea I was looking at 20 years when I went to drug court. I was thinking like, oh, three, maybe five. Oh, no, no, sir. They were going to put me the hell away. <laughs> yeah. Now, we have a lot of people that are, you know, have been arrested and are been charged with, you know, crimes, but they're not significant enough um, to carry any type of lengthy sentence. But, you know, these are the people that are continually coming through the system for nothing more than the fact that they're an addict. Their addiction right. is driving their criminal behavior. And that's why drug courts were created to, what do we need to do to stop the vicious cycle? You can't stop using drugs. We can help you with that. You just have to understand and trust that we're here to do what is going to work. Basically, you're handing us the keys to the car, and we're going to drive for a couple of years. And, and the, the, the help that, that is offered through drug court is, is astounding. It's things that people probably have a hard time finding on their own. You know, try to get into rehab. Rehab is very expensive. Getting the insurance is difficult. And, Drug court will get you insured by the county. They'll get you into treatment. They'll keep their eyes on you. And it's, it's, it's great. Sure. And you know, the, the ladies that take care of the treatment, they are so knowledgeable in the resources that are available to people. Cause it's not just getting someone to stop using drugs and alcohol. It's just the first step. There's so many other social barriers that right. need to be overcome and so forth. And they are able to like guide you guys wherever you need to go to, deal with the issues and it is it's hard to get your lives back you know yes you've stopped using drugs and alcohol you're starting to work an honest program of recovery but you have other issues you know whether it's financial or housing yeah or you know yeah they're i mean they're amazingly helpful i i'd heard of uh, jrs but never really knew what it was justice related services and <clears throat> i found out sue you know that's what she does if you actually got hooked up and you got thrown back in jail for a significant amount of time. She's going to get you out and get you into a program and then get you back in a drug court. And then it's between you and, and the judge. What happens next? Yeah. And the judge will ask you, you know, he'll say, you know, are you really, do you really want to do this? And he said, he'll say, we're not going to quit on you. If you're willing to keep working at it, so are we. And you've seen time and again, people have screwed up and, you know, they've went on the run, went on a run there for a long, you know, 
months at a time and come back and so forth. And they say they're ready and he'll say, fine, we're ready too. Let's get your, let's get it going again. He always says, we'll get through this. <laughs> yes, he does. That's, I mean, that's, that's so that just makes you feel good. Cause you're looking at this dude sitting up high on a bench who has the power to impose the original sentence on you right now. And he just smiles and says, we'll get through this. But then we all know there's been a couple of cases that I witnessed where people have been arrested like the 10th time for still using and possession and sales. And <clears throat> I watched him just say, that's it. You're out. We have, we need, you're taking up a space that somebody else needs. So you're out. And they got to really be trying to make that happen. They do. They do. Um, you know, it does, unfortunately, for a number of people, it, it reaches a point where, you know, the judge has to be mindful of the resources and the time available. You know, there's only so many, so much to go around. And if someone's, like you said, taking up a space for the wrong reasons and so forth, he'll give them every opportunity. But in the end, if they're not willing to put forth the effort, then he's going to go the revocation route. <laughs> I thought it was really cool when I was pleading into Nahas and uh, the pro wrestling came up and he said, really, you're a pro wrestler. And I was like, yeah. And people in the courtroom were laughing, you know, <laughs> he said, that's really cool. You know, I have a boot signed by Ric Flair. I'm like, Get out of here. And we started talking about wrestling for like five minutes. He's like, no, no I got to move you on. Okay. You're in. <laughs> and then Isn't I was, that great to go in front of a judge? I mean, that's the other thing I don't think people outside of drug courts understand is like, you know, you're going in front of a judge and, you know, for most of you, the, your first progress hearing is the first time you're standing in front of a, a guy in a robe who isn't going to make some sort of, you know, immediate decision on your, yeah. your future here and stuff. So it is nice just to bullshit with the judge because he generally does care. You know, he makes sure he remembers you guys' birthdays. He learns your family members' names and yeah. stuff. It, it is nice. He becomes a part of your life. And you realize how important, you know, he has an important position. He does continue to hold a huge um, sway over which way your life can go and so forth. But at the same time, it's so wonderful to see, like, you guys interact with him and get comfortable enough that you can share things with him and you want to show him how good you're doing. That's so critical to, for a successful drug court. And I'm going to point out, too, uh, uh, an example of how much the drug court system does care. You know, I was about six months into it when my dad had the stroke that ended up killing him. But um, he had the stroke the night before and I had to be in court the next day. And rather than try and get out of it, I just went. And uh, uh, Jill was my PO at the time. So I told her what was going on and I saw her talking to Karen and they talked to the judge and he goes, what? Rob, come up here right now. So I did. He goes, let's get you through this so you can get out of here. So he did. He got me up first, got me through it, sent me off to the hospital. And then a couple of days later, the last person I ever thought I'd hear from was Karen called to see how everything was going. And Karen, sure. Karen scared the shit out of me, dude. <laughs> until, until that, I mean, I still had that healthy, like she could still bite your head off after that respect, but she scared the absolute shit out of me before that because she would look right through you. Well, that's a sign of, of the best probation officers are the ones that you do have a healthy fear for, yeah. knowing 
that you, you need to follow the rules and so forth, but also at the same time, knowing they are empathetic to each individual situation and so forth. Well, I had a healthy fear of you coming into it before uh, the first time you called me. You said, hey, the, you remember my dogs wouldn't let you on the yard? <laughs> so you called me. Hey, this is Joe Rose. I'm your new PO. And I heard that name and I go, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I've, been I've around heard about this guy. <laughs> yeah, my name carries a certain ring to it and so forth. But at the same time, Rob, I mean, it. one of the great things I love about this job is hearing from people that have graduated, you know, such long time, years ago and stuff, they'll just reach out to say, Hey, still doing good. You know, thanks for everything. That's why we all do it. I mean, we really, because you go to graduation and yes, you know, you as a drug court graduate, you've succeeded, you graduated our program, but you know how wonderful it is to have loved ones come up and say, Hey, thank you for giving me my dad back or my brother back yeah. or, I would Whatever imagine. the case may be, that is, you know, that means a lot to us, and that's that's why we do it. Um, I can tell you that every single person involved in our program here in Allegheny County, there's much easier positions, much less demanding positions in each respective agency and so forth, but we all do this job because of those rewards and so forth. It is a great program that we very much believe in, and we know it's it's something that is done very well in Allegheny County. <clears throat> and drug court was originally created in Florida, right? Yes. The yeah. first drug court uh, originated in Miami in 1988, I believe, 88 or 89. <clears throat> and it just swept the country. Everybody started adapting it or adopting they it. They really rather. did. Yeah. By, by the turn of the century, you know, not even 12 years later. I mean, the numbers have just grown exponentially. Um, I first became involved with drug courts probably about 13 years ago. And in Pennsylvania, you may have only had about a half a dozen drug courts. And the last conference I went to, which was probably almost four years ago, we were well over 100 uh, drug courts in Pennsylvania alone. So so I think really the main takeaway that people should really hear about drug court is it's not a setup. It's a fucking gift. It's a gift sure that you is. should take gratefully. And if you're not serious about it, you know, don't, don't screw yourself on this because you'll go to drug court and then you'll get kicked out and you don't get to go back. There's no second chance after you've been kicked out. Right. Absolutely. And I made sure I explained that to people almost at times where I, I had to catch myself that I was lobbying against them not to take the program because I could kind of get a feel for like, right. you know, most people come in, <laughs> Very few people come in with, I'm ready to get help and so forth. They're, we, we get that. They're coming in to avoid the, the lesser of two evils and so forth. And that's fine because, you know, we'll get them engaged in treatment. And within a few months, they're either going to take to it or they're not. And even if they're not, it's it's like, okay, you know, you got to sit down here in the county jail for a minute. You need to go up and talk to the judge. You know, what do you want to do and so forth. And, you know, we get them back in it. And, you know, it is wonderful to see once the people that are resistant to the change and overcoming their addiction to watch that transformation as like, hey, they're starting to buy into this. And some people, it's almost like a light switch gets flicked. You know, it's like, whoa, okay, he's got it. And they're off to the races. It's great to watch. Well, I think for some people like me included was you have that aha moment where you say, Oh, you know what? Maybe I don't have to die. 
because that's all like me. You know, I had two prior felony convictions for selling cocaine, and I'm I'm like I'm done, man. It's it's prison or it's it's death. That's what I have in store for me. That's all I could think of. But I think that was that addiction sneaking into my brain to keep me going. You know, like oh well, this is all you can do now, so just keep doing it. Sure, yeah. But then when I had my little moment of clarity to get out and get out of the life and I got myself into rehab and then I just finally decided to go own up to these new sets of charges, knowing that Rangos was going to slam me because she had given me so many love shots before and I kept spitting on it. So for her to put me in the drug court, like I owe her a big pat on the back too. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, she was willing to, she told you what was what and no, she, she didn't, she didn't she tell me her. anything. I didn't even see her. My my lawyer came out of the courtroom and said, you're going to drug court. And I said, I'm, what? <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> they told me. I said, no prison? And he said, not yet. I said, okay. And the same thing as Nahas, no prison. And he said, not yet. Everybody lets you know it's still there. Don't don't think it went away. It's still there. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what... In- that's what certain people need to hear to, to really say, oh, all right, I guess it's time. Um, it's hard. It's, you know, you can testify. It's, it's a hard thing to come to grips with that, you know, especially for like the younger people, you know, you get these kids that, you know, 20, 25 years old, it's hard for them to admit that they're an addict and yeah. they're going to be an addict the rest of their life. It's hard for them to, develop a social lifestyle that doesn't revolve around drugs or alcohol and so forth. I was talking to this gal at a meeting not too long ago, or a few weeks ago. She was just having a particularly hard time. She wasn't through drug court, no criminal consequences, just trying to get clean. And she just kept saying, I'm just an addict. I'm just an addict. And I said, wait a minute. You're not just an, you're not, you're not, you're not just an addict. You are a mother. All right. You are a contributing member of society right now. You are somebody who is taking their sobriety seriously and you're an addict. So you just take that addiction part and say, and, and you're this too, but that's not all you are. And she just smiled. I was like, oh, cool. I got through to her. That was fantastic. Yeah, that's so true. And that's so important too, Rob, is like your, your podcast that you're doing and so forth to, to spread the message of, of, recovery in general and drug courts in particular it's it's so you know it's it's all about one addict helping another addict and that's right you know at graduation judge Nowhouse, you know he actually tells you guys you guys are my army you know every you all know somebody that needs help please go out and and refer them to us and so forth and you know society you know we've we've made strong strides towards overcoming the stigma of addiction and so forth but at the same time i mean you can shake any family tree in an addict or an alcoholic's going to fall out of (laughs) yeah it's it's sad but it's it's the truth and so forth so there's so many people in need of help and we just uh, as a as a human race we need to start really working towards helping each other and in overcoming this this disease more people need to start taking on the uh the rat park outlook of recovery have you have you heard of that sure yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah everybody who hasn't just google rat park yeah. and, and addiction and read up on it because it's a it was a pretty incredible 
pretty incredible discovery that they found on on relating to addiction and rehab and and community. Community needs to be there. You know, just because we're addicts doesn't mean we're not still part of the community, people. We're there. Absolutely. Just now you see us. We're not hiding in the shadows anymore. Before you couldn't see us. We were ready to jump out of the shadows and rob you. But but now we're in the light. So just accept it. Oh, Christ. It's certainly a winnable battle. There's no doubt about it. And it's just a matter of exposing, you know, as many people as possible to the, to the help that's out there in Southwestern Pennsylvania. We're blessed to have, you know, such a wide number of providers and, you know, able to meet all aspects of addiction and able to provide all levels of care. Yep. So, and I'll say this to you people who are still on the fence about drug court. You know, when you go in there, you are in a courtroom situation, right? It looks, it looks like it when you're on the outside looking in, you go stand in front of the judge and then you've got your JRS worker on one side of you. You've got your PO on the other side of you. You've got the district attorney sitting at a table behind you. You've got, you know, the coordinator and she's standing there and then you've got the judge sitting up high, but after you've done it a few times, you go, holy shit, I'm surrounded by people who were actually on my side. Although it looks like a scary Perry Mason episode, these these people all around me are here to help. Like, Sue, man, Sue loves us. It's amazing. Yep. Like, she doesn't just help because it's her job. She helps because that's what she does. Yeah, absolutely. And that's true of the majority, well, pretty much all, all of us. You know, that's... Whatever our functions are, we're all doing this job for the same reason. That is to help people. There's no doubt about it. And I think, like, I said, like I said at the beginning, Rob, it's it's not an easy journey. It's not all hugs and kisses and so forth. There's going to be, <laughs> you know, I can't get through a single day with usually multiple um, confrontations and so forth. But that's the nature of the beast. I mean, that's you, you have to hold people accountable. You have to get them to see through their bullshit and so forth. If there's ever going to be any change, you have to be willing to look at what they're saying or what they're doing and who they are and their behaviors and all that stuff. <clears throat> I remember when they threw me in the last time for missing the, uh, the call in the color code for the urine test. Uh, I was, I was in with four other people. There was four other guys from drug court who all did the same thing. Everybody missed their color that day. And I'm sitting with these guys and we're, you know, just hanging out, kind of staying together as a unit when we're in the uh, processing area, but not one of them were like, oh, this is bullshit that we're here. Every one of us is like, yeah, I, I did this to me. And yeah. That, and that, that feels, that feels, feels good. Absolutely. That's so important that, yeah, I screwed up, yeah. but you, you know, you take ownership of, you know, that whether you're in drug court or not, when, when we make mistakes, you know, if you're not willing to take ownership of your mistake, then you're not going to learn from your mistakes and so forth. And, that is good to hear that you said something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. and, then, and then we're sitting in there, and this one guy pops off. Oh, see, all four of you guys are in drug court, and now you're in jail. I told you it was a setup. I knew it was a setup. I tell everybody. And all four of us at once, at the same time, all had a variation of shut the fuck up that we said to this guy all at the same time. He's like, oh, I'll just shut up then. Yeah. <laughs> and get the yeah. hell out of here, man. Yeah, this is a, it's the, the general cancerous way that people look at it. It's the same general cancerous way they look at 
recovery in the first place. Going to rehab. Oh, going to rehab is just like going to jail. Are you kidding me? Going to rehab is awesome. I was saying the other day in one of my podcasts or somebody else's podcast, God, I want to go back just for a vacation. <laughs> they got good food and soft beds, and, and you don't got to worry about anything, man. You just go to the meetings and do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's that's the intent is you know take care of everything so you're able to take care of yourself and work on work on whatever demons you need to work through. I do know that when I get myself out to Tampa here in the next few months, hopefully, I'm gonna start pursuing how I can get involved in you know professionally working uh, in in the drug court system. I'm not sure what I can do, not having any teaching degrees or anything like that, but I'm gonna try. Mm-hmm. That's something that I, I've really seen a lot of progress in over the last 10 years is how, how much, you know, people in recovery are, are gravitating back into giving back into the yeah. community and so forth. And whether that's the peer support specialists or your recovery specialists, like whatever mentors, whatever it may be. I mean, that, because that's real, where the real help and work come from, you know, we're, we're kind of like the, Oh, I don't know what do you want to say, like the, the platform for it. But as far as really branching out and getting as many people involved in the process, that's what's the important thing. The sure. more people you have working towards the same goal, the more success stories you're going to have. Yeah, the bigger the army, the more the victories. Absolutely, yep. And like, you know, Duke Drosy, he's been my boy for, for just ever, and he, he doesn't wrestle anymore. He's it, working in the drug court system, teaching classes. And, yeah, like, uh, what do they call it here? The uh, creme class. He does things like that out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. all your cognitive behavioral therapy yep. courses those are very important, um, getting people to see things in a different light and so forth. I tell you, I hated crim. <laughs> not, <laughs> not the class itself, more like just the negative kind of vibe that people were putting out in there. Cause you know, they get frustrated doing it so many days a week and they're tired and they got to get home to sleep and go to work in the morning. sleep. just take that aggravation and let it out in the class. And that's just not helpful. Then they get pissed off when they screw around and they have to repeat the class. Well, if he didn't screw around, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, we're running people through for, you know, people that don't understand is, the cognitive behavioral therapy is usually the final piece of the treatment part of drug courts right. and so forth. And this is, you know, introduced to individuals who are, have just recently um, been successfully discharged from drug and alcohol treatment or are close to being discharged and so forth. And what it is, is it's basically getting people to, to look at their criminality in a different light and so forth. And that can make people uncomfortable. Yes, they are no longer using drugs and alcohol, but they're still having um, a thought process that isn't conducive to a sober lifestyle. And they're trying to oh. get people. That's why it's called breaking free, the power of change and so forth. It's trying to get people to change their thought process. That's, you know, I, I never, I always just figured the negative attitude was based on the fact that they were tired or had to work. I never really considered that they're having to continue to take hard looks at themselves. Maybe that was, that was the, the reason for the attitude problems. That could be, I would hope so, because I think if the, the curriculum in the course, I think is, is really, really beneficial. It really is. Well, I know we took uh, some kind of a test on the first day and then another test on the second to the last day. And then on the last day, they bring in pizzas and, okay, let's go over everybody's score results individually and 
will show you the areas that you've grown that you don't even know. So you walk out of there feeling better about yourself on the last day. I would hope so. That's yeah. the intent of the, the Well, course. I walked out of there feeling better about myself, <laughs> I should say. I can't speak for them. I, I think most of the people come through it and have positive things to say about it, and we've always considered it a integral piece of, of the program because usually, you know, I'm not sure – here in Allegheny County, um, everybody's giving the exact same sentence, um, and that is three years of probation with conditions. Right. And a lot of the people start out their sentence in a um, treatment setting, whether it's short-term inpatient, long-term inpatient. Then they transition either to you know intensive outpatient or outpatient on a bracelet. Right. Um, house the, arrest. The first, yes, house arrest so that the first year of their involvement in drug court is either in a treatment setting and or on a um, bracelet. And once you've completed all the treatment requirements, including your um, breaking free, then you're eligible to have the bracelet taken off and you're on just pretty much regular probation. Um, it's kind of like a bicycle where, you know, the <laughs> training wheels. Yeah. 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 I kind of like the bracelets, your training wheels and you've made enough progress that we're going to take these training wheels off. But you know, your, your drug court case specialist and your probation officer are still kind of running alongside that bicycle and making sure that yeah, holding, on, wobbly, holding on to the seat. Yeah. If you get wobbly and you start making some decisions that we don't think is in your best interest, we're going to grab a hold of that bike and get you straightened up again there and stuff. So, you know, someone that, you know, they're, they're given, you know, it's 36 months and the judge tells everybody that, you know, we have the ability to shorten or lengthen that dependent upon each individual's progress in the program. So you have some people that do struggle and it does take them longer than the 36 months. The judge will simply revoke the original sentence and reimpose it, but it's nothing more than a, than a number. Um, like I said before, drug courts only involved in your lives as long as necessary. So if it takes someone a little bit longer to learn how to ride that bike, it's not a big deal. Um, but for the people that can come into the program and it's their time and they've done everything, they've met all the requirements and so forth, they have the ability to you know, complete their sentence in 24 months. That's right. People like me, baby. People <laughs> like <laughs> Somebody has to do I actually met a guy who... Uh was was he's finally getting himself let off i think when i'm getting let off but he was on uh, the five-year program he just kept kept dropping off and screwing up right when he was getting to the end he'd, he'd blow it yeah unfortunately there are a number of people that you know will self-sabotage they you know like we said at the very beginning here you know you're getting ready to leave the nest and some people were that is it's very scary um, Oh, so they so they drop they drop the ball, so they still have that feeling of protection. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, and you have the conversations with people long after the fact, and that's exactly what they said they did. They they intentionally self sabotage because they didn't feel they were ready. And you know, if it it uh, that's fine. You know, like Judge Nile says, if you're still willing to work the program, we're not going to give up on you. So. We'd rather, if they're not ready, we'd rather keep them in the program until they are ready because that's where you're, a successful drug court is gauged on the recidivism rates. And you know what's um, funny is everybody that I've talked to in whatever state who's gone through and completed the drug court program 
all of them have the exact things to say about their judge that I have to say about mine. Like these drug court judges are just clearly very kind people. Yes. Yes. They, they, they're genuinely empathetic, but at the same time, they have the ability to, you know, stand, stand, you know, <laughs> they're going to deal out the punishment if it's necessary. Yeah. You have to be able to, if you, if you're not going to have consequences for the negative behavior, you're not going to be successful either. And if there's no consequences, what's the point? Why is anybody else going to listen? Yeah. Why, why should anyone try if they see so-and-so, well, he's not, you know, he didn't, he wasn't successful, but he didn't get hammered. Hmm. You know, and I'm not, you know, promoting anyone to serve lengthy periods of incarceration because that's not going to, help them overcome their addiction. But at the same time, if you're wasting the time of the courts and the drug court program in particular, and you're possibly doing harm to other participants, well then unfortunately that's going to be what's necessary. Yeah. I watched uh, Jill uh, go up, go up to one of the guys and says, uh, Hey, listen, you came up with just, just under the faint line for alcohol. And, you know, she was going to let him ride on that because he still got the faint, or just just over the faint line. So he got the faint line, you know, technically he was going to scoot through it until he said, oh, yeah, you know, my boss, he he just got a 12-pack of beer the other day, so we all had a couple of beers. And she just got this blank look on her face staring at him like, you've got to be fucking retarded. <laughs> and right there, bam, she hooked him up, sent him, sent him over to county. People, I don't know, it's like maybe they uh, they just get themselves uh, complacent in the fact of, oh, no, the P.O.'s my friend. Well, you know, they're friendly, but they're your P.O. They got a bigger picture to worry about. And especially when you disrespect them, be like, yeah, I drank, so I, I got the faint line. I'm fine. Well, no, because you just fucking admitted it to me. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. Complacency can be a very, very bad thing. Um, I'm constantly, that's something I'm constantly pointing out to people, you know, don't get... Don't get complacent. Don't get too comfortable with things, you know. What's the next step? What do you what's the next thing you gotta accomplish? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, okay, I think that's coming to the end of our time. This has been I hope everybody who's listening has found this very informative and enlightening and it, it gives you a concept of if people are telling you drug courts are set up, just tell them to fuck off, man. Just mind your own business. Let me handle mine. Take care of yourself. Because if you're not willing to take care of yourself, who's going to take care of you? And uh, if, as usual, if nobody said it to you today, I love you. There is help. There are people who you would never expect are here to help you, who are here to help you. Just look. Right now, you've got two people that you've never met who will help you. There is help. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um. We're going to throw up. We now have a YouTube channel. Our, our completely fantastic and awesome new social media manager has set that up. And she's putting little pictures and whatnot over the, the audio. But she's going to put up some links to helplines. Places that you can go to seek help. You're worth it. You deserve it. Any brilliant words of closing there, Joe? Um, keep up the good work. Congratulations. Thank you. See you in a couple weeks here. Yeah. What you're doing, spreading the word for drug court is awesome. Can't thank you enough. For those that need more information, there's a plethora of information out there. Just simply Google drug court and you can read all about it. Yeah. 
And it's really a good thing. It will, yeah, if you bring up things on drug court, they're going to show you other links to, to get help. If you need help, get help. Actually, I'm going to uh, throw this out real quick. I got this really cool email not too long ago. <clears throat> and my actual, uh, the social media manager actually mentioned this same line, but there was a woman who sent me a uh, email and said that her daughter, you know, she was just in a bad way. And she couldn't convince this girl to get help. She didn't know what to do. So she was just trying to kind of keep an eye on her 24-7, right? And they were on a road trip and she popped on because she Googled podcast, sobriety podcast. Mine came up, one particular episode that she played. And there was a line in there where I said, even when you're in hell, there is an exit sign. It's just scary because it's surrounded by fire. But you can use that exit <laughs> That's awesome. That's and apparently awesome. that was the line that got through to her daughter and said, okay, I'm ready. I'm like, get yep. out, get out of here. That's what, that's all it took. Sometimes it's just the right words they hear at the right second. So uh, if mom's listening, I'm glad I can help and, and set her my love and make sure she stays on the right track. And it's going to take a lot of support, especially when they're, you know, when they're on the H train, that's, that's the hard, that's the hard one to get off. So, all right, Joe, thanks for getting up. We've been trying to make this happen for a long time. I appreciate it. I appreciate the invite and appreciate your efforts. All right, guys and dolls, we will talk to you next time.